Welcome to the July 30th, 2020 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. Today, we will review a study that demonstrates how the impaired hematopoietic stem cells, or HSCs, observed in beta-thalassemia can be rescued by administration of parathyroid hormone. Learn more about genetic variants that can increase the risk of venous thromboembolism. And finally, explore the identification of two DNA methylation subtypes of Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia. Our first topic is a study entitled Hematopoietic Stem Cell Function in Beta-Thalassemia is Impaired and is Rescued by Targeting the Bone Marrow Niche by Anna Maria April and colleagues from the San Rafael Scientific Institute in Italy. The study demonstrates that hematopoietic stem cells are impaired by beta-thalassemia due to defective interaction with the bone marrow microenvironment but can be rescued by administration of parathyroid hormone, or PTH. In steady-state conditions, the adult hematopoietic system is maintained by HSCs that reside within the bone marrow in a specialized environment, or niche. Although HSCs are quiescent and only occasionally enter cell cycle, they can reversibly enter the cell cycle in response to stress conditions. Thus, HSC self-renewal is maintained not only by cell intrinsic factors, but also by extrinsic elements from the local and systemic environment. In the genetic disorder beta-thalassemia, lack of beta-globin synthesis results in peripheral hemolysis, anemia, and ineffective erythropoiesis. In its most severe form, the disease requires lifelong transfusions and iron chelation therapy. Treatment side effects include iron overload that inflicts chronic oxidative organ damage over time, reducing lifespan. While the major hematopoietic defect in beta-thalassemia is in erythropoiesis, there has been growing interest in possible defects in HSCs and the bone marrow niche in this disorder. For example, in comparison to other indications for allogeneic HSCT, there is an unexplained increased risk of graft rejection including cases of late rejection and mixed chimerism. The authors of the current study have also recently characterized niche cells from thalassemic patients and found significant defects in their ability to support hematopoietic stem cells. In the current paper in Blood, April and colleagues examined the effects of beta-thalassemia on HSC function in detail. To conduct their research, they utilized both a murine model of beta-thalassemia as well as human samples. They found that murine HSCs from thalassemic mice are reduced in number, exhibit more cycling, and have a lower reconstitution capacity after transplantation. However, after transplantation into a normal microenvironment, the thalassemic HSCs were able to recover both repopulating capacity and cycling activity suggesting a defect in the bone marrow niche. They examined the bone marrow stromal niche and found defects at the cellular and molecular level. These results suggest that HSCs in beta-thalassemia do not have an intrinsic defect, but their behavior is affected by an altered bone marrow microenvironment that worsens as the disease progresses. 
They speculate that these defects are the result of ongoing stress related to the defective erythropoiesis. The authors then linked defects in signaling between niche cells and hematopoietic stem cells as the major problem, and focused on the role of parathyroid hormone, or PTH, a known regulator of niche function, noting the levels of PTH are lower in beta-thalassemia patients compared to healthy individuals. Remarkably, administration of PTH to thalassemic mice improved niche and stem cell function considerably. April and colleagues conclude that these findings challenge the paradigm of beta-thalassemia as a disorder confined to erythropoiesis, since the data indicate that diminished hematopoietic stem cell function is a secondary effect of the original genetic defect. However, they argue the data emphasizes the reversibility of HSC defects, which paves the way toward potential combined therapies aimed not only at correcting the erythropoietic defect, but also ameliorating the bone marrow niche defect and preserving long-term HSC function in beta-thalassemia. As Nadia Carlesso at the Beckman Research Institute of City of Hope points out in her accompanying commentary on the study, April's research on beta-thalassemia may also be relevant to other hemoglobinopathies. Carlesso further suggests that a deeper understanding of HSC biology and the status of the bone marrow niche and its components in these hemoglobinopathies is essential for the development of curative approaches, both for improving the success of allogeneic HCT and for effective translation of promising gene correction strategies for autologous HCT. She commends April and colleagues for bringing new insights to the bone marrow environment in beta-thalassemia, as well as advancing the novel concept of targeting the bone marrow niche to improve treatment outcomes in these diseases. Next, we will review a study using a gene-based analysis to identify rare, naturally occurring variants in genes that increase the risk for venous thromboembolism, or VTE. Carl Desch and colleagues at University of Michigan conducted this case-controlled study titled Whole Exome Sequencing Identifies Rare Variants in STAB2 Associated with Venous Thromboembolic Disease. Deep vein thrombosis and pulmonary embolism, collectively referred to as venous thromboembolism, or VTE, represent life-threatening medical conditions accounting for the third leading cause of cardiovascular death in the U.S. The environmental events that cause VTE are fairly well understood and include prolonged hospitalization, surgery, and immobilization as the strongest risk factors for VTE, as well as advancing age, estrogen therapy, cancer, chemotherapy, obesity, pregnancy, and smoking. However, Genetic factors are also thought to play a major role in VTE risk, especially in patients without an identified environmental risk factor, referred to as unprovoked VTE. In fact, recent sibling studies suggest that there are genetic factors in up to 50% of patients with unprovoked VTE. However, these genetic factors are not well understood. Genome-wide association studies have previously been used to identify several uncommon genetic risk factors for VTE, including relatively rare mutations in the anticoagulant genes PROC, PROS1, and SERPINC1, 
which encode protein C, protein S, and antithrombin, respectively. Variants in these genes result in perinatal lethal thrombosis in homozygotes and markedly increased VTE risk in heterozygotes. However, currently described VTE variants account for only a small portion of risk in patients with unprovoked VTE, too low to be routinely utilized for clinical decision-making. In order to identify new VTE risk variants, Desch and colleagues conducted a gene-based collapsing analysis of whole exome sequencing data that included 393 individuals with unprovoked VTE and 6,114 controls. De-identified DNA samples from individuals with VTE were collected from three previous clinical and genetic trials. After analysis, the total number of coding variants were compared to those in the large control cohort. By doing this, they identified different rare DNA coding variants in several genes in the VTE versus control cases. The success of the approach was underscored by the fact that the study successfully identified the rare variants already known to exist in protein C, protein S, and antithrombin. The study identified a fourth gene, however, called STAB2, that encodes the endothelial scavenger receptor Stabilin2. Genetic variants in STAB2 were found in 7.8% of VTE cases and 2.4% of controls. In cell culture, they found VTE-associated variants of STAB2 had a reduced surface expression compared to reference STAB2. Variants in STAB2 have been previously associated with elevated levels of plasma von Willebrand factor and coagulation factor 8 levels in GWAS studies, suggesting that haploinsufficiency of Stabilin-2 may increase VTE risk through elevated levels of these procoagulants. In an independent cohort, they found higher von Willebrand factor levels and equivalent pro-peptide levels in patients with STAB2 variants compared to controls. DASH suggests the research demonstrates the utility of gene-based collapsing analyses to identify loci harboring an excess of rare variants with functional connections to a complex thrombotic disease. In an accompanying commentary on the study, Bert van der Rijden at the Radboud Institute for Molecular Life Sciences in Nijmegen, Netherlands, asks, how can these findings be translated into clinical practice? Van der Rijden concludes that Desch's research provides a deeper understanding of the genetic causes of the risk of development of VTE. Van der Rijden also states that smart approaches are required to perform bioinformatic and functional testing of variants to determine their aggregate impact of VTE risk and that inclusion in genetic testing will ultimately improve our options to better predict the risk of VTE at a genetic level. For our final topic today, we will discuss the study entitled Identification of Two DNA Methylation Subtypes of Waldenstrom's Macroglobulinemia with Plasma and Memory B-Cell Features by Damien Roos-Weil of the Sorbonne Université and Brian Giacopelli of Ohio State University and their international colleagues. Epigenetic changes during B-cell differentiation generate distinct DNA methylation signatures specific for B-cell subsets, 
including memory B cells, or MBCs, and plasma cells, or PCs. Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia is a complex B-cell malignancy uniquely comprised of a mixture of lymphocytic and plasmacytic cell types. WM is a rare lymphoproliferative neoplasm that is neither lymphoma nor myeloma, yet retains features of both disease types. It is a lymphoplasmacytic lymphoma with bone marrow infiltration and secretion of a monoclonal IgM immunoglobulin. The disease is characterized as a malignancy of clonally related B lymphocytes and plasma cells, thus encompassing a wide range of potential B cell differentiation states. Clinical behavior ranges from asymptomatic indolent forms to symptomatic patients with hyperviscosity, organomegaly, and cytopenias. In the study, Rusweil and colleagues undertook genome-wide methylation analyses of flow-sorted WM tumor cells in 35 patients and found that patients naturally separate into two distinct groups defined by two distinct DNA methylation subtypes. In 24 patients, the data were supplemented by transcriptome and targeted DNA sequencing, permitting a detailed multi-omic characterization of WM. While individual epigenetic events have been previously characterized, this is the first genome-wide characterization and represents an important milestone for understanding WM pathogenesis. Roos-Weil performed cytogenetic analyses as well as morphological analyses on bone marrow aspirate smears, according to World Health Organization criteria. Research methods included cell sorting and nucleic acid extraction, genome-wide DNA methylation analysis, whole exome and targeted DNA sequencing, and RNA sequencing. All patients exhibited clonal MYD88 mutations with variant allele frequencies above 30%. 34 out of 35 patients had L265P alterations, and one patient had M232T. The results of the study reflect two key findings. WM patients naturally segregate into two distinct groups based on their global DNA methylation patterns, which are respectively related to normal MBC and PC profiles, and reminiscent of other memory and plasma cell-derived malignancies. And additionally, they found that WM methylation subtypes demonstrate distinct tumor-specific molecular, morphological, genetic, and phenotypic pathways. The memory B-cell-like WM hypomethylation pattern was enriched in motifs belonging to PU.1, TCF3, and OCT2 transcription factors and involved elevated MYD88 toll-like receptor pathway activity. The plasma cell-like WM pattern displayed marked global hypomethylation and selective overexpression of histone genes. Finally, MBC-like WM harbored significantly more clonal CXCR4 mutations, deletion 13Q, splenomegaly, and thrombocytopenia, while PC-like WM harbored more deletion 6Q, gain of 6P, had increased frequencies of IGHV3 genes, CD38 surface expression, and plasmacytic differentiation features. In their commentary accompanying the study, Zachary Hunter and Stephen Trion of the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and Harvard Medical School state 
that while findings by Roos Weil provide insight into the epigenome of WM, they also contribute to the understanding of the topography of the WM genome. They suggest that the root cause of methylation differences within WM remains to be discerned and represents a critical future research question to include WM pathogenesis, but also targeted therapeutics. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to www.bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of Blood Podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>